0: It's time to level up your learning experience.
1: It's time to level up.
0: Welcome to the Level Up Learning Show.
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the next episode of the Level Up Learning Show. My name is Jared Borman with AEA Learning Online. And today's special co-host is Laura Williams. Lord Williams, oh, what's going on?
0: Hey, Jared, what up?
2: So, uh, Ooh, coffee. To, I need some. yeah, get some coffee. I actually Oops. have a let me see your mug. Tell me about your mug. Anything in particular about your mug?
0: Actually, yes, this is a friend got me this Stephanie Lane. I'm calling you out. She is a, a consultant in Green Hills AEA, but yeah, that's us. We're fabulous. <laughs>
2: Then it has your names at the bottom. Is that right?
0: It does. It does. More so
2: customized. Nice.
0: It is. Yes.
2: Mine's not customized, but it's a mug that I got from, do I call her an aunt in law? She's my wife's aunt. So aunt in law. And so our first dog was a chocolate lab. And so she got this mug because I really like chocolate labs. And so, it was just kind of a cute mug, and honestly, it's the biggest one that I have, so I use it quite often on days where I feel like I need a little extra coffee in the morning.
0: Oh, yeah. This one's an extra tall, to, for sure. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Hey, yeah. I also noticed that you're wearing some some hearts on your sweater there, and give me the reason why. We are recording on. By,
0: des- by design. It is Valentine's Day, friends. So, so
2: happy Valentine's Day.
0: Yes, happy Valentine's Day.
2: Do you have any spe- anything special planned for Valentine's Day?
0: uh honestly, I'm just glad my house is picked up. I need to figure out something special to make for dinner. But get this, um, my husband's school, uh, he's a principal, um, at Southwind. They have conferences tonight. Who does that? So what? Yeah, yeah. So he won't be home till like eight. So I guess if I'm gonna Plan some sort of romantic extravaganza. I've got some time.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, like the easiest tip, what my wife does uh, sometimes some years, either for our anniversary or for Valentine's Day, is I absolutely love cherry cheesecake or at least the kind that she makes. Ooh. And so yeah, that me. will sometimes, you know, I'll come home and there it is in the fridge. So like that's my that's her way to my heart, like direct <laughs> connection <laughs> direct connection both like emotionally but then also <laughs> literally physically because that will affect my heart in in maybe not so great ways but it's still good <laughs> and delicious because it means yeah.
0: a lot yeah that's so nice oh i love that
2: did you happen to watch the super bowl this weekend
0: um i had the commercials on <laughs> i have to be honest like there wasn't i don't know and maybe i'm alone on this i didn't think they were as good as past years
2: the commercials and maybe
0: i just yeah maybe i just wasn't feeling i did like the ben stiller like pepsi
2: that was a good commercial
0: one. i don't know that one was one of my and then the will ferrell i guess will ferrell the netflix and the i think it was gm i don't know that one was that was good see i can give you a play-by-play on those commercials but don't i don't the chiefs won right, <laughs> right?
2: i will i'll admit i am I like watching college football way more than NFL football and I, I just I yeah. really have not been able to explain why, but it was on. I will say that. It was on and Background every noise. once in a while I would kind of check for an update, but that was about it. And so I know that there's always a lot of a lot of buzz on Twitter and in the media about the halftime tell me, shows and everything. Tell me,
0: yeah, did you watch the halftime show?
2: I did not.
0: What? Okay, that I was like really the only thing I watched.
2: <laughs> I know I'm I'm not a big halftime show person either. I don't know. I'm not a very good fan. If they, I so I guess I can't really call myself.
0: That's a fan. okay. I don't really watch. To be fair, I don't really watch sports. I just I didn't want to like be left out. Like if there was something funny or like crazy. So just I. It's a good background noise. But I did watch, and props to Rihanna because. She's a mama, you know. Yeah, uh,
2: that was you, the big thing. It was yeah, like, oh my gosh. Like,
0: yeah. Like everyone was like, what scandal will, will it be this year? Like, there's always something, but it's like, oh, they those sneakies. Like, it's just more like to me, it's more like ah, empowering. Like, yeah, you got up there and did your thing, and I don't know. I just thought that was really cool.
2: Yeah, cool. Well, I know that you actually brought a show and tell today. I did. <laughs> So, I would love to, so first of all, can you kind of like just introduce the show and tell a little bit and then we'll go watch it and give a reaction to it?
0: This show and tell needs no introduction. No, I'm just kidding. Um, It's, so I, I love comedy and I, in professional learning, I always try to like juxtapose a situation that's funny and then I tie it back into like what we're learning that day and so um, just to like. I know it might not seem like it has to do with our topic, which happens to be agile uh, classrooms, agile education. But I think after you watch it and we kind of break it apart, you'll see what I mean. So,
2: okay, well, let's take so. a look and <laughs> and let's do a reaction really when we're done. A
0: quarter
3: cup at a time. Thin stream, it's supposed Uh to be a thin stream, blend it really Uh well, or you'll burn David, that's not right. Okay, well that's because I'm ladling and stirring at the same time and you're just standing there. Now's not the time to lose focus, darling. This was your idea. You're the one who allegedly made the enchiladas. Yes, so try to keep up. Okay, next. Now's the time to sprinkle in the chili pepper flakes. We've already done that. What number are we on? Oh my God, is this not your mother's recipe? Yes, and now I'm passing it on to you. So try to keep up. Um, oh, Next step is to fold in the cheese. What does that mean? What does fold in the cheese mean? He folds it in. I, I understand that, but how how do you fold it? Do you fold it in half like a piece of paper and drop it in the pot, or what do you do? David, I cannot show you everything. Okay, well, can you show me one thing? You just, here's what you do, Uh you just fold it in. Okay, I don't know how to fold broken cheese like that. And I don't know how to be any clearer. You take that thing that's in your hand. Uh Uh-huh. And you... If you say fold in one more time... It says fold it in! This is your recipe. You fold in the cheese, then. Don't you dare. You fold it in. David!
0: Oh, good. Now I see bubbles. David! What does burning smell like? Uh, so this it okay, so this is Shits Creek. If you haven't seen it, it is funny. Um, so Moira Rose is the mom and she's trying to get David to make this recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and he and she says to fold in the cheese, but like clearly, like, what does that even mean?
2: <laughs> yeah, saying it again <laughs> and louder does not help, right?
0: No. So what does this have to do no. with
2: Agile and Scrum? Why why this clip?
0: So Okay, so I think this is a good analogy for, you know, folding in the cheese is really representative of folding in 21st century skills. I think that there's not a single teacher on this planet that would would tell you that 21st century skills don't matter. They want all their kids to have, you know, creativity. They want them to be critically thinking, basically they all want this. They're they're future ready skills to be successful beyond the classroom. But I feel like we never really, and even in teacher prep programs, we don't often give a mechanism to really build and develop those things like collaboration. And so I believe that if you adopt an agile uh, classroom and agile practices, then you are Given these sort of procedures to actually fold in the cheese, if you will. So, um, and hopefully we see that um, with, with our guests when we talk a little bit more about like what is agile and what what does it mean to the classroom. Yeah,
2: because I'm going to say. Do <laughs> oh, it. Sorry, Jared. I
0: was just I was just going to say um, I didn't I didn't see this before because I always just talked about like folding in 21st century learning. Like, how can we do that? And I was just thinking, like, she's like, what number are we on? <laughs> like, like another thing about Agile Classrooms is it's visible. Like, everybody will know what number you're on because that's one of the main, like, elements of an Agile Classroom. So anyway, I just felt like, oh, this is such a good analogy.
2: Yeah. No, speaking of which, I mean, you have been involved uh, for quite a time now for, with Agile and Scrum and and all of the the traits and characteristics that go with that and helping teachers incorporate that in the classrooms in order to kind of shift that paradigm a little bit. Um, and our special guest, John Miller, uh, that interview I thoroughly enjoyed because I, I went through the little agile scrum training that you put on at one point, like I was your student essentially. (laughs) And so, and so I, I, Thank you for clarifying yeah. that. I want yes, everybody to know you. that I am a good student. <laughs> That's
0: right. Um,
2: but I felt like I I have a, a foundational understanding. But after our interview with John, I had a much clearer understanding. So maybe you want to introduce John real quick before we show the interview with him. Um, how did you meet him? Who is he? All that stuff. Just let let our listeners know. You know who who John Miller is.
0: Yeah. So uh, John Miller is a, well, I would say an industry standard trainer. So he actually, his day job is training uh, businesses and organization in agile project management, uh, particularly Scrum. And I got a chance to, um, actually, I got my Scrum Master, (laughs) my certified Scrum Master and my certified product owner through John's class. Um, they are two-day classes, and the Scrum Master, there's a test you have to take, but um, I got to experience learning through um, through his materials, and it was really good. But I actually learned of John before I even knew he was doing, like, industry standard training. Um, but years ago, when I first heard the term Scrum, like, what is that? What's Scrum mean? Sounds good. Sounds cool. I want to learn more. Um, I Googled, like, to see what was out there like for education and there wasn't much but there was some really good like blogs uh, that he wrote about using like this learning canvas and um, using these you know, sort of practices in the classroom and um, I thought it was really cool I believe that there was a video out there Grandview preparatory if you google that you would probably find that video and I just thought that's so empowering I this is what we need in Iowa and so um, you know, wanted to learn more, took a new BOCO class, um, in Cedar Rapids. So there are some in Iowa, some in-person trainings you could go to. Um, that was really good. And, um, some colleagues of, of mine, so Stephanie Lane, I'll throw her name out again, and Deborah Cleveland, we kind of got together and we just sort of like, okay, let's like, how do we like operationalize what we've just learned here into a, a course for our, um, educators that we support, um and particularly in authentic learning environments. So how do we support these real projects? Why not use a real project management framework uh, to keep in with the sort of authenticity of managing those projects and teaching kids real skills? And so we kind of went down that road and then, you know, finding out we wanted to learn more and we wanted to like, how do you like prioritize your backlogs and like just really loving the project management side of it, then, you know, going back and taking John's, um, courses to become certified, um, and then learning that he has a certified agile educator training that he does for teachers. So he's literally taken, sorry, this is a preface, like you're going to learn this from John, but he's literally taken the, in essence, like the Scrum framework and kind of translated it to be more authentic to education. And so it's really usable, user-friendly for teachers. Um to operationalize in their classroom, it's not a huge lift. In fact, I think it's a quite um, the opposite. It's it's sort of based on simplicity, but in order to create, you know, visual learning and, and helping kids take ownership of their own learning and, and work in teams, and so it's really good stuff. I can't can't speak of it um, enough to to anyone that wants to hear because it's just such good stuff.
2: Well, I tell you what we'll do is we'll let our listeners take a take a listen to the interview that we had with John, and then when that interview is done, we'll come back and you and I will do a reflection. How's that sound?
0: Sounds great. It's time to level up.
2: So, John, give me some background as far as, like, number one, I'm going to play really stupid with all of this, okay? if you don't mind, just because I feel like I definitely am not at the same level as you and Laura with a lot of this. So, number one, maybe sort of like define what you mean by agile so we can all start with the same understanding of it and then uh, move into kind of like. How did where did this agile stuff originally start, but then also how did it start? How is it starting to move into the classrooms in, in what you're seeing?
1: All right, I'll unpack Agile a bit. And there's a little bit. You can see uh, capital A Agile and lowercase Agile. And lower lowercase Agile is uh, what you would find in the dictionary. You know, whatever that says, but something ability to adapt fast and respond to change, that, that kind of stuff. So you hear a lot, you know, being uh, in the corporate world, like business agility and, you know, be able to respond fast to changing conditions. And the capital A Agile, um, that is a set of values and principles uh, that was developed in 2001 uh, by actually a bunch of software pr- programmers and such, uh, and they were they had their own ways of working, uh, their own methodologies that they called lightweight frameworks at the time, and uh, they they came together and so what is this thing we're doing? It's different than like the big heavyweight, you know, we got to do this gigantic project and a bunch of documentation up front and. And then finally, it gets cascaded down to people to develop it, and then things change, and it becomes a problem. So they found some better ways of doing it, and uh, they came together, and they developed this thing called the Agile Manifesto, or the Manifesto for Agile Software Development. So really, it's just a set of values of principles. Like educators might think of it as like a mindset uh, behind it, which really just says, like, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but pretty much says, "Hey, we value people." More importantly, than processes and we uh, value getting value out the door sooner. And that means we need to work together in uh, teams and that have lots of autonomy in order to do that. So that's in a nutshell, I would say is what Agile is. I can just tell you my story. I, I, I know there was, you know, I can't say anyone else has never did it before I started. So I can just say how I started it. So I'll go back in the way back machine,
0: the origin uh, story,
1: the origin story. That <laughs> yeah. was Peter Parker and, uh, um, <laughs> in the lab. Now I was the education technology director, and we were actually doing uh, one agile methodology called Scrum in our department. So we were just doing it to uh, actually uh, where I think Laura and a lot and I align a lot is I, I focused on culture. I was like, hey, how do we develop a better culture? Because I was the leader. I was, I was not developing the right kind of culture. I was like, well, I need, I need to find some ways. And I need a way to operationalize and not just have values up on the door and have vision statements and rah-rah, but really things like day-to-day that we actually have this culture uh, that we're trying to embody. And as the ed tech department, we were there. A big part of our job was 21st century skills. And we're like, you know, yeah, we did the technology stuff, but are we doing really this other 21st century skills stuff? You know creativity and self-direction, and I had to reflect and say, "No, we're not." You know, it's very old-school kind of way of managing projects, uh, and that's where I found agile and, and Scrum being one framework. I was like, "You know, this seems to operationalize the stuff that we want," uh, where you have small teams working and uh, have lots of autonomy in how they do it, but they work in short cycles uh, to get value value delivered. And so, very collaborative, very creative, uh, lots of self-direction. So we brought that in, and uh, as we worked very closely with teachers, collaboration is a big value of Agile, especially with our customers and users. Um, so we would bring teachers in and collaborate very, you know, very tightly with them. What are your needs? You know, what's going on? And here's what we think is feasible. And we, we'll, and every time we even thought we had the right plan and we did it, we realized, oh, that wasn't quite right. How do we adapt to that fast? How do we how do we learn that we're wrong we're wrong sooner so we can get to right sooner together uh, as a partnership? And teachers would uh, just say, wow, this is future like this is the future. And they always say weird things like that. And I'm like, what do you mean what do you mean? I'm like, well this is the way our classroom should look. Uh, what do you mean this is the way your classroom should look? Like, well, if you can picture it, like our office wasn't a typical district office with cubicles. Like we actually had teams sitting together, like in a, you know, in a pod style um, that sticky notes up on the wall that they managed to work on. So it was a very different feel than any other district office that you would walk very open and uh, like, well, just the focus that you have, how you collaborate, the visibility, like every time they came in, Oh, here's your project and we could show it to them. And here's what we're working on right now. What do you think? Uh, so they pulled me into the classroom, like, all right, let's. If you think so, what do you what do you think we should do? Like, let's try it in my classroom. So that's how I started. I got pulled into it. Uh, it was never a plan to bring Agile into the classroom. Uh, It was just, you know, peanut butter bumping into chocolate, and you're like, hmm, this this might taste good together. So um, got brought in. Uh, the first did a couple classrooms, helped a couple teachers, helped one school. Uh, but the one teacher that I always will remember is kind of like your you know, your the origin story really, uh was a fourth grade teacher named Kim Mills and she was a kindergarten teacher just going to fourth grade and she was like, I want to play with my kids independence. I heart couldn't really do that in kindergarten, but fourth graders, I want to seize that opportunity. I think this could give me a tool set to do it. So I just paired up with her. So uh we just worked together and we brought some scrum stuff, this thing called scrum. Uh, we found some things work great. Some things did not work well in the classroom and we threw those out. So we just experiment to where what, what today is what we call agile classrooms is a, is a framework that is uh, authentic for the classroom, but is also bringing in those, those agile kind of agile ways and, and tools to help students.
2: So I'm, I'm trying, okay, so you, <laughs> you took something that was utilized in a business sector by fortune 500 companies and us and you you said let's try this in a fourth grade classroom
1: i didn't but did uh, i hear
2: that right i mean did i did i hear that right
1: yeah it's about it's about right and surprisingly what surprised me the most was uh, and i i do uh trainings and coaching with companies with agile at one of my you know one of the big things I do. And at companies like Netflix or Microsoft, and I find the fourth graders did a better job than a lot of the, the corporate people that I've seen in these big companies.
2: So what I, I want to try to get me personally, I want to try to pretend like I'm in that classroom, I'm observing, I'm a fly in the wall. What are some of the agile specific example things that you were essentially uh, making happen in this fourth grade classroom that you were like, this this is working. This this is something.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. There's a time where I thought it wasn't working. I thought, oh, we made a big mistake and you know, should we stop it. But um, but you know, it just became where a couple of things like the way one of the things I watched as it started to spread, I started to just catalog what teachers did, and I noticed they would do one teacher did something different, but I realized there was a pattern in it. So that's kind of cataloged it and very empirical and one of the first things is just visibility make learning visible here so you'll see it like kind of hard to see from here but that's my board for my current work but all it is is simply it's like a visible task board (laughs) in one way you can think about it it's not very cool when i say it that way but when you you'll just have students say here's our learning goal and then they'll break it usually break into some kind of tasks like these sticky notes here and they'll get there and say, hey, I'm going to work on this. I can help you with that. Oh, we're done. Yay. So that's that simple, right? It's just they're making their learning visible. You get to see the progress. So number one, that was it. I think that's a huge thing for a lot of teachers and students is just making things visible. And we have lots of different ways of making learning visible. That's kind of the, the one core way, what we call the learning canvas. So one is just seeing that. And that that gave a sense of even if this if the teacher was saying hey this is what you're doing and you don't have a choice it gave a sense of choice it gave a sense of control over the work to know like oh this is where I am this is what I got done this is where I'm going Um, and the ability to say hey I am done this thing so even that gives a sense of a sense of agency Um, but I would say my big aha was like yeah this really worked was kind of the, also the same story of when I thought it was going to be a disaster. Uh, The first time we tried it, It because we're just experimenting. We're like, we don't know what's, let's try it Let's see what happens. Uh, There was a group of boys and uh, I don't know what the right term is anymore, but when 2010, we called them like resource students or, uh, you know, they just, they needed extra help. Right. And for some reason they were put into a team together, which I always, always question, but, the teacher believed in them that's number one the teacher believed in them and but they had a board like this and they would i remember walking in one day to coach because i would come in like you know a couple times a week to coach and they had their board on the floor just on the floor and they were just sitting there <laughs> and nothing There's like nothing on the board like nothing now these other students are moving things through and they have them off the walls and they're moving around and this one group are just doing this i'm like oh my god like this is this is bad. This is a bad idea. Like I ruined, <laughs> they are going to fail fourth grade because of me. Uh, and, but by the end of the year, it was what we call self-organizing teams and agile. Like you try to get the self-managing, self-organizing teams. They were probably the best self-managing, one of the best self-managing teams I've ever seen where they were doing a, a, a project that was a, um, they were doing a study guide was their project for AMES at the time was Arizona, um, like a Arizona State testing stuff, and they so they were doing a science booklet for the rest of the class to help them study for for that for that assessment, and they had two computers side by side. And it was fascinating. I still remember they had the board like this, and I'm like, hey, uh, I can't remember making it up, but like uh, natural disasters is the topic, right? All right, we're doing that next. What do we need to do? Oh, we need to find a picture of a Volcano and uh, figure out, you know, some description around it and put that in, and um, all this other stuff. And they had a bunch, so they put a bunch of tasks up, and they just went right to it. They said, "All right, I'm going to go get a picture of a volcano." And th- because they were on two computers, they found it on the internet, put it in Google Docs or Google Slides. And as the kid was, as that one student was putting it into the slide or document, like, "Hey, all right, um, someone grabbed me the textbook, and I started writing in." at the same time. So one kid was doing the picture, one kid was doing the text um, and they were just flying through and where it wasn't like they had roles like, hey, I always in the re- the person who gets the, the supplies. It was like, what needs to be done? I'm available. I'll do it. And I would say that was a big turning point for me of like, wow, this this was amazing where I thought from no self-direction at all <laughs> to, to where I was like, this is bad to where I mean, that group that group just totally blew, blew us out of, out of the water. And I would say a lot of the other student teams got there maybe a little faster, but that one, when they, when it clicked for them, it was just, it took any disbelief for me that it, you know, that it couldn't work. Well,
2: that's a really cool story. I like that I a uh, particular thing. So, but yeah, go ahead, Laura.
0: Well, just um, so like the, I'm imagining this visible classroom and kids taking ownership um, on the like learning canvas, like, as you can see behind you, um, what other, I guess, what are the other elements that w- are present in this agile classroom beyond just the visible board? Because I think yeah. there's more to it. And mm-hmm. in, in my mind, like I've heard the term, like it's a new operating system. Like this is how I want my fourth grade class to be ran. So what are those, yeah. what are those components of this sort of new operating system? Yeah,
1: the way we unpacked it kind of discovered what it, what it was. Uh, and because every teacher was using it a little bit differently. Uh, one, the visible classroom. I found that was the basic structure you got to have. Like you need something just like a plant that needs to grow around. So you need something solid for it to grow around. So the visibility helps no matter what. But then there's these other parts, which are the aim to agile classrooms, which is to how do you help students be able to solve increasingly complex challenges in a world that's changing fast, right? And therefore, you need some skills in order to pull that off. So number one is visibility. Which helps a lot, helps with clarity, helps with focus, but it and it and it supports self-direction and it supports collaboration, right? So, but the next part would be uh, we need a way of some procedures or re- what we call routine learning routines. Uh, so we bundle together five discrete learning routines, agile learning routines. It's really just a learning cycle, everything from planning all the way to reflection, uh, and we put that into a short cycle, and we call that a learning sprint. So that's usually, you know, it's four weeks or less, but it could be a week or two weeks. And in that learning sprint, they figure out, okay, here's our plan, some way of monitoring our work and checking in with each other. Here's how we're going to review it, get it assessed, get feedback, and here's how we reflect as learners. But because those are skills that you're developing, you don't do that just one time. Like what I see with some project-based learning stuff is great, but they'll plan at the very beginning. And then they do execute it. And then at the end, but the only plan once really, but planning is a skill. So you need to do it often. You got to you got to get your repetitions in. So we do those short cycles, right? One to build, to build up the, the skill sets, the competencies, uh, but also so you can learn to adapt faster because if you shorten because you're doing things in short cycles, you're planning more often and you're able to adapt easier, right? Oh, this is what happened last time. Let's replan. So, There's this learning sprint, which is the second element that we bring in, which is, again, a structural thing. But unlike a corporation, like where we do agile, where we're like, you're a self-managing team, we can't expect students to be self-managing right off the bat. Uh, And we can't expect them to be teams right off the bat, right? That's, again, a skill set that needs to grow. So within those routines, those five routines, you think of those as containers, like a pot, like a pot of plant, maybe, and that's the pot. And you have very specific... Focus areas for each pot that you have. Um, but in that, we want to grow the ability to do two things. How do we self direct and how do we collaborate? So we scaffold then self direction and we scaffold collaboration within those routines. And what I mean by that uh, would be so, for example, like say, uh, let's say planning, just for example. Hey, at first, I'm going to plan for you as the teacher, but I'm going to model it right? Here's the sticky notes. Here's what, we're, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to model for you. And first, I want to help, help you understand it, teach you what it is. And then when I feel like you're ready, oh, maybe I'm going to give you some of the how, but you get to choose some of the how, too. We're going to start partnering. Then eventually, the ideal of an agile classroom, this is idealistic, uh, but it's possible, is you get a self-managing classroom, which is the combination of um, we can collaborate in, in teams, effectively together, small teams, but we were also highly self-directed together. So nutshell, four, really four things, visibility, the learning sprints, and then you grow choice and you grow collaboration.
0: I just got goosebumps from the self-managing classroom. Like it's ideal, but it's like that is the, that can be the classroom of the future. And then teachers can spend more time building relationships, pinpointing where the misconceptions are. And you know, providing the feedback in a real-time way, right where the learner is at, instead of like the whole class, you know, teach to the middle. I feel like I really do feel like this is that like the key to unlocking personalized learning. And I know that's like a buzzword. <laughs> There's a lot of buzzwords, but um, it's a it's like the how of how do we do how do we collaborate how do we teach kids accountability and
1: Yeah, I found this is the the cool thing I discovered like. Uh, where I've had teachers come in and, and watching these classes was exactly what Laura said. Like, oh, I remember this. Uh, remember the third grade teacher? She was, "Wow, this is what all the books and TED Talks tell us what education should look like, but never tell us how to do it." And really, this is the how. And you know, you know I think rubrics are great. I think rubrics are helpful, but I do think educators ruminate on rubrics.
0: You don't want to know what I think about that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, they they over ruminate on the rubrics. And this gives, this makes the rubrics a reality by doing like these skills have to be done, right? You have to do them. You have to, they have to be called and that taught. And this gives you that operating system, right? In order for students and the teacher as well to be able to practice these things. And over time, as the students get in they do like for example the uh this particular classroom uh the substitute teacher came in and the lesson the lesson plan given to that sub was the kids will tell you what to do and that was a lesson plan and they did it you know they ran they ran themselves by by the end of the year um and that frees up the teacher i mean the amount of stress right and i'm not going to say it never doesn't add more stress in the beginning because all change does especially if you're, you're if you're working within a system that isn't quite yet, you know, supporting this way of working with students. So at the beginning it's, yeah, it's a little bit harder, but just like working out, it sucks at first, (laughs) it's painful (laughs) at first, you know, maybe a little painful at first. And it's not always sucky at first, but, uh, but you're going to have a little bit of discomfort, but by the end you see, wow, I get all this time back and I can, have better connections with students. I can really understand each one of them a little bit better. I can give them better feedback because I'm not worrying about, you know, teaching the entire time and lesson planning and doing classroom management. Right. Uh, And ideally these teams, they, they effectively manage each other, like they keep each other in check and hold each other accountable uh, along, uh, along the way.
2: So I guess what I was going to say was I got two major questions that I think I want to try to address here for a lot of our audience yet. Um, Number one is whenever I hear someone talk about uh, a a new learning strategy or teaching strategy and it sounds amazing and it sounds like, yes, this is personalized, this is the direction we need to go. I always try to ask the question because I know every teacher is asking it. How do I assess this? How do I, what goes in the grade book that, where I am being held accountable for, what, how do I assess this that is going to appease parents, kids, and administrators?
1: I would say assess it the way you're currently assessing it today. Okay. So how so? Well, whatever they're doing today. So um, it doesn't change the fact that you're assessing and giving feedback right um, yeah. it, you might you, you might it might change over time so part of this is adaptability uh the agile classrooms framework gives you a basic shell uh, some basic things to do but within that says all right you do it however is going to work best for you and i would say one of those things is assessment um if you're using grades today agile classrooms is going to say you shouldn't use grades you should go to competency-based you know grading or something like that um, it just says use the grades but I, I would say the shift is you make it transparent To the students about what constitutes that grade and how can they eventually as you scaffold self-direction one of the scaffoldings might be what we call the review which is how they self-assess themselves right but that might be just a combination right it might be hey the kids are self-assessing and the teachers assessing uh, along the way so i would say no impact at first now, if you are trying to grow, you know, certain things, the, the way you grade might be an impediment towards self-direction maybe, or, and that's a different issue though, right? That's a different issue, but out of the box, Agile Classrooms would just say, all right, however you're grading, that's what you do. Same thing with your content. It doesn't ask you to change your content. Uh, if you're teaching, you have a certain way of doing math, um, you will still have that same content. You're not changing everything. You're just changing the how, kind of the, the process uh, behind it. So I have one
2: final question and it kind of goes back to something that you said towards the beginning. And I know you mentioned the word culture and uh, the fact that agile classrooms affect the culture. And then we jumped into the task board. <laughs> so explain to me some of the micro interactions that maybe you have seen with agile classrooms hmm. where the organized, cause, cause some teachers I've heard say, this is a cool way to get things done or Mm -hmm. a more effective way to get things done. Whereas what you were starting to say, but I don't think we jumped into it enough was, this is a cool way to affect culture. So maybe explain a little bit more clearly as far as in a new process of getting things done, how does that then affect the interactions between others in order to positively affect culture?
1: yeah well i do agree i think it is a good way of getting things done and usually a better way of getting things done but getting and getting done is if you think of define culture as a set of attitudes beliefs and behaviors that we share right that we we tend to do that could be a culture hey we have a culture of getting things done right so then it becomes what kind of culture right what kind of culture because everything you do affects culture if you call it culture or not so i would say one is. A, a feeling of progress. That is a big part of the culture. Like there's a feeling that we're actually getting things accomplished, but we're, do- but we're doing those in, in shorter cycles so we can get feedback sooner. And, and that progress creates motivation versus waiting towards the end of a big assignment or a big project to see, like we're actually breaking that into tiny pieces, getting something to done, able to look at that, get feedback on it. But the I would say the other part isn't just getting things done, because you can get things done that aren't that great right? You can get things done, but it's not that great.
0: Fair.
1: Um, I have a bunch of things I do with that. I'm like, okay, I'm just getting, I need to get that done. But just then the any
2: projects part. around my household right now, like <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You and I,
1: same way, Jared. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Pretty much good enough. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's the right way of doing it, but there's this other part, which is that, uh, I would say that, that iteration mindset, if I had to give it a name, uh, you know, you, Whatever you want to call it, you know, that creates that sense of mental resilience, the idea that you can fail, but learn from it. And I would say that's the bigger culture is that it's OK to fail, but we want to fail fast and we want to fail sooner. Right. So we can learn sooner about the best, you know, getting getting towards better along the way. And I find the the teachers that do struggle with this. I'm actually working in the school right now, and it isn't the process that's part of the issue. It's the I would say it's just ingrained attitudes and expectations from the teachers that it has to be one and done. Like you have to have this thing turned in and this is the only time. And, and that is not at all what agile is about. Agile is about, well, great. This big, a big thing takes a long time to get to done a long thing. That takes a, a big thing that takes a long time to get to done takes longer to get feedback and because it takes longer to get feedback, we can't iterate right? We can't go back to that thing and make it better. So that iteration mindset then means, well, we need waves so we can iterate. So it's safe to iterate. And that means by making things smaller and doing those in in shorter cycles, and then we have checkpoints in each one. So we can say, Hey, here's, what was great. Here's what we can be better. Right? All right. Let's do another quick cycle and you can improve on that. So that gets a sense of progression, a sense of, um, of, Yeah. Aspiring towards perfect, but not having to be perfect. You know, it's progress over perfection, I would say is, is the bigger culture. And you know, there's a bunch there here that, that comes from it, but I'll give you an example again of the first classroom is always the one, you know, that's always in my memory, like your first love and that classroom by the end of the year, the kids cried I don't know how often this is true in classrooms uh, but the kids cried we sat in a circle and cried because it was the end of the year because they formed such deep connections with each other right okay. because they're working in teams and they supported each other uh, for example one group of boys I said were like huh, like what's going like nothing happening uh, we have one thing which was the uh, the the review and they were doing a review and there's one boy who was speech impaired and he had uh, hearing impaired, and had speech um, issues because of the hearing. And he was really, did not want to talk in front of anyone. And the 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 team that he was behind says, we got you. You can do it. Don't worry. Right. And, and he just went up there and did it and they applauded for him. And I think that's the culture that happens. Not by saying, by posting stuff up on the, in the classroom wall, saying we appreciate collaboration, but that's the culture that comes from doing, that comes from iterating, that comes from this constant reflection about, Hey, how did that sprint go group? And how do we all get a little bit better? And how can we contribute to that?
0: It enacts that growth mindset. Like we we say that a lot, but like, how do you do that? Yeah. And I think iterations.
1: Yeah, I think we really mean it. And but you need a how. You know, I think uh, there's a lot of uh <laughs> sorry, a Scott Galloway calls yoga babble out there, which is you know, just a lot of big words and fancy great aspirations, but I I really do think without a good how, it's just aspirational. You don't actualize it. And I I think Agile Classrooms is not saying it's the only way, of course, but it's the one way you can do it that's simple. I think honestly it's simple enough that you can do in any classroom. But the extra benefit, which I think is really cool about it, is that it creates a bridge to the future. Like this is the way corporations work. Now it works different in a classroom, but the basic concepts of it is the same thing. So I think if we can create like a generation agile and unleash that into the corporate world, it's going to be it's going to be quite amazing.
0: All right, what do you think?
2: Uh, I'm not going to lie; there are definitely some things that I jotted down here as notes for myself to be thinking about and considering, um, not just in my current role as an instructional designer for AEA Learning Online, but the thing that was kind of the A surprising factor for me was when he talked about, we didn't start this in a high school classroom. We didn't try implementing this in a middle school classroom. We started in a fourth grade classroom with this agile and scrum thinking. And that was their sandbox that they were initially playing in where they were starting to see these observations and Um, recall some of the elements that were what was working and what was not working, the kids in particular, and the working within the groups. Um, Just hearing for me, when I, when I try to think of pedagogy or instructional practices, for me, I always listen to what does the student interaction look like? And so when he had concrete examples of that group of students who may need extra help, in, down the road or you know they typically need some extra help they were self-sufficient you know and those kind of antidotes are are powerful in my opinion and you start to see how it changes that culture a little bit of the student interaction the teacher interaction um, I imagine that if I was an administrator walking into that classroom trying to do my you know 10 15 minute observation, it would look very different than what I might see in the next classroom just down the hall.
0: Yeah. Those kids know like they are so self-directed and they have found a workflow that in my opinion increases learning and ownership, which what more could you want, you know, (laughs) in a, in a learning environment.
2: And that's what we, you know, from, you know, the innovators mindset to, Every other kind of instructional practice that is starting to make that, you know, when we say 21st century, we are 23 years now into the 21st century and the right. use of technology and so forth is now becoming more ubiquitous in order to help students reach that that uh, that level of self-sufficiency um, mm-hmm. in order to direct their own learning, in order to empower them as learners and... Uh, it's just really cool to see. It's really cool to hear. It's really cool to see. I know that, uh, in, when I was in back in the school district, when I initially took the course from you, um, (laughs) I was thinking, yeah, there are definitely, I, you know, I may not be able to implement everything all at once the next day, but there were definite pieces of it that I could start incorporating immediately the next day. And then we can grow on that and grow on that when the culture starts to change, when you start yes. to set those boundaries a little bit, but then give the how-to for the students to be able to be self-sufficient, you know, that's like, that's really powerful stuff and it really helps. So um, it's just really cool to see this stuff being moved into the classroom. And for what I understand, I mean, maybe you want to share everybody, you know, the trainings that you put on uh, as part of AA Learning Online and then what, what, yeah. what would they take away in any of those <laughs> trainings?
0: Yeah, so actually we have one coming up March 1st and 2nd with Deborah Cleveland. She's uh, hosting a training uh, we call Agile for Education, a Scrum play-by-play. We often call it, and we have a playbook called the Scrum-ish playbook because it's not per se true Scrum. Um, It's slightly modified for the classroom. Um, So we do have that coming up. And also we hope to have a few more learning opportunities throughout Um, the spring and summer and just to get, you know, get some opportunities for around Iowa for educators to come and participate. We hope to get John to Iowa and uh, do some agile classrooms training, get some certified teachers here in Iowa. Um, It's really good stuff. I really do think it's, you know, user-friendly and all of the resources are available for educators to use and, and support their students. So, Um, however we can help, um, teachers move the bar for kids and so be it agile, then hopefully they come to us and we can support them and, um, you know, move, move some mountains for our educators and for our, our students.
2: And if I'm a teacher, instructional coach, administrator in a school district, and I think this is something that would definitely benefit us, how would I get you to come to our school to help us with the training?
0: Yeah, um, I guess the simplest way is just give me an email and we'll work something out. So L. Williams at aealearningonline.org and we will set something up.
2: Cool. Well, Laura, I really enjoyed having you as a, a co-host today. Your first time co-hosting was it? Was it okay for you?
0: <laughs> it was. It was good. I do like uh, the microphone. I feel like yes, listen to me. <laughs>
2: I mean, having your <laughs> voice. Physically amplified is kind of nice. I'm not going to lie, but um, I wish you a happy Valentine's Day. And uh, we'll definitely hopefully see you again on another episode.
0: Enjoy your cheesecake.
2: (laughs) I hope. (laughs) Well, that does it for this episode of the Level Up Learning Show. If you want to follow along or check out any of the resources, you can definitely check us out on our website down below. Or you can also check out the links to all of our socials follow along, join the conversation, provide us any feedback. We love hearing from our listeners, so be sure to reach out to us. So be sure to keep leveling up your learning and we'll see you next time.